episode 9 of Laughing Into the Void. I'm your host, Tom, and as always, co-hosting with me is the lovely Rosalind Paris. You can find Hi. the previous broad... <laughs> always. I always. I always mess them up when I do that. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> it happens. You, you say that, and then you do it next week. Um, <laughs> but... Always uh, co-hosting with me is the lovely Rosalind Paris. You can uh, watch our previous broadcasts on the District Comedy YouTube and Facebook channels or listen to them on most podcast platforms. Please consider making a donation of any size at district-comedy.live if you are able. And if not, like, share, and subscribe to our stuff as that also helps. Um, Your support is mandatory and appreciated. With us tonight is comedian, writer, podcaster, and musician Mike Moran. Mike is a Baltimore-based comedian and host of The Confessional Podcast, where he shares confessions from his audience and guests. Mike has had the opportunity to interview such guests as Michael Ian Black, Michael Winslow, C.J. Ramon, and Michael Graves. That's I've never seen a spelling of Michael that way before, so I hope I pronounced it right. Um, he's also... Spelling. What? Michael. What's that? It's the goth spelling of Michael. Um, But yeah, he's also written a number of pop culture-based articles for digital publications, and you can catch him on stages in the DMV area and wherever podcasts are available. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you. We did it. We made it. Made it through. (laughs) Happy to be here. All right. So um, basically... uh, We'll start the same way we basically start every interview, which is uh, for people who may be watching who don't necessarily know who you are or aren't familiar with your work, uh, how would you describe your uh, sense of humor or your comedic stylings? Um, genius, number one. <laughs> Incredibly successful. All right. <laughs> no. Um I would I would say a little bit uh, a, a tad bit avant garde, you know, a, a little bit alt, not uh, not too alt though, you know, but uh, but but uh, a little weird, a little weird, I would say. Okay, awesome. Yeah, you definitely have like that. So for for our viewer and or viewers, uh... <laughs> at least one. My fiance. I've known Mike for a few years now, <laughs> and I've seen him do stand up a few times. You definitely have like a drier sense of humor, like definitely with like a little bit of a self-deprecating edge in a cool way. I would say. Yeah. So I'm just going right. to tack that, that on there to your, <laughs> Sounds your good. definition. Well, and I saw. I, I think it was um, the the more recent one was pause comedy, correct? Um, yes is the Netflix special that you filmed at Autobar um, in Baltimore. <laughs> well, if you consider my channel on YouTube that has almost no subscribers, Netflix, then sure. Oh, we're sorry. Just it, oh, my God. We're just calling everything Netflix now the same way we do, like, Kleenex or... Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I will watch it while chilling, so I might as well just say yeah. it's on there. Um, right, well, right. Yeah, brain fart there. But, yeah, no, I, I saw it, and um, it kind of, like... Uh, has that like interesting start to it where you're kind of like just staring down the camera, um, right, yeah. <laughs> which um, <laughs> was a little bit unnerving, but was definitely like, <laughs> I feel like it added some relief to though. Like, I feel like people talk about in comedy, like how 
you know, one way people look at it is kind of balancing out, like, the building and breaking of tension. So I thought that was very interesting, like, open to the special. Um, and hopefully you. gives a little bit of insight uh, for people who are like, what do you mean bias weird comedy and avant-garde and stuff? <laughs> um, so that's an idea. And um, <laughs> you should also check out the special. Um, but um, it Thank seems you. like also... Um, you are a jack of all trades. Um, you do music, you do stand up, you have the podcasts going and writing for online publications. Um, so, do you have a favorite medium? Um, or do you consider them all kind of connected to each other? Well, yeah, they're certainly connected. I, I'm I'm fortunate in that I, I finally figured out exactly what I want to do, you know? <laughs> so I, ha I have like the five or six things that I just know I need to do and I can just work on them consistently. Um, I would say my favorite is probably the original band, The Loss. Mm -hmm. But that's, uh, you know, I, I, I've definitely been way, way, way more successful with comedy than music, which isn't saying a whole lot. But I have like some traction in the comedy world, but music is just what I've always wanted to do. I wanted to be a rock star since I was little. And not that I'm going to be a rock star, but I am, I have reached the place where I have a band that I'm really happy with and, um, and I'm happy with the songs that I'm writing and yeah. we sound good and everything. So that's probably what I'm most excited about, even though that's like the one that I have the smallest amount of attention for at this point. Well, you picked a great time to be really satisfied with the progress of a band that you're in with all these shows happening right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have found that like stand-up has been a little bit unique in the in the age of the pandemic in regards to like other art forms. Like I find that with theater and with music, it just, it seems like it's much more difficult, um, if only on the technical side of things, to uh, kind of bring it into the virtual world. Um, mm -hmm. What has your experience been so far with kind of the different stuff that you've been doing? And have you been like trying to do more stuff online? Um, have you been trying to kind of just rev up the current brand? Um, well, I've, I've taken the opportunity to, to do a lot more writing and thinking about things, you know, like it's, uh, it, I finally have all this time to sit down and really contemplate things and really think about like, you know, just, just things that I wouldn't normally have the time to think about, you know, like I've, I've just been going over like, um, Simpsons clips and, uh, and like examining them, you know, like thinking about like, why is this so funny? Why is this so good? How do I steal that magic for comedy? <laughs> so I've spent a lot of alone time contemplating this pandemic, which has been really good for me. Um, as far as performing, I've done, I try, I make myself do a virtual open mic every week, um, which is hard for me to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't come, I don't know, it's, I, I'm usually pretty happy after I do it, but it just doesn't, uh, it, it's, it, it's just hard for me to, to do it. I don't know what it is. You know, it's just, it feels weird. It's, it's awkward. Um, but, uh, I make myself do that. I've done a few charity shows online and we got another one coming up at the end of the month on the 21st. 
And uh, other than that, I don't think I've really done much else. You know, I've tried doing a few live broadcasts here and there. Haven't really gained much of an audience for that. So I've basically just taken the opportunity to, to, to work on writing, contemplating, um, recording the podcast, and uh, and uh, that's it. Cool. Okay. Awesome, awesome. So yeah. Just those three very major things, then. <laughs> just, just the three major things. <laughs> and contemplating all of life's mysteries. Right, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Weird. it's just a weird time, man. It's like all these years I, I couldn't – I wanted to have the time. <laughs> and now we have it, and it's like, oh, my God. I get why <laughs> – the Shining happened the way it did. <laughs> it's like oh such a weird, like existential war with myself now. You know, like of of having the time and then feeling guilty for not using the time mm. as well as I should. And but overall, I think I've made the best of it, and I definitely have finished some. I got something published um, a couple months ago. Oh, nice. oh, that's cool. Oh man, yeah, no, I definitely. Um relate though i feel like that's a lot of what's been going around is like the um pandemic guilt of like have i been productive enough um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sort of thing um but you mentioned the podcast um the why don't we talk a little bit about the confessional podcast tell me a little bit sure. about that project what it's about i listened to um i think it was one of your more recent episodes um I think it was 105 uh, where you had the speaker on video games. You didn't uh, listen to my episode? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. I'm like, I know Roz. <laughs> He's got his weekly Roz dose. <laughs> um, I think that one was Holden McNeely, wasn't it, from uh, last podcast on the left? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. The video games? Yes. Yeah. Um. <sighs> So it started because for some reason people always open up to me and I <laughs> just like weirdly, <laughs> like when I was an Uber driver, people would just tell me all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and uh, I started throwing out questions on Facebook and seeing what, what responses I got and ended up becoming a whole thing. And uh, I said, I'm going to start me a podcast on this. And I think that was, I actually went to the radio for like a brief minute so I had to put it on hold, but then I, I came back after and got it going, and it's been going strong ever since. We were doing every week. Um, we're, we're trying to get back to that. Everything got messed up in the pandemic, of course. Yeah. Um, you guys do know about the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard one or two things. Okay. <laughs> but um, I wasn't sure if you're familiar. I'm, I'm, it, I'm, the podcast, I want to dig into that more, but I also, like... My brain just got completely sidetracked. I have to hear about some of these stories that you heard as an Uber driver. Is um, there one particular one that stands one out to guy, you? One guy, if he was being honest, and I think he was, had just become a millionaire somehow. He uh, he explained to me how it, how it worked with, with his job. He, he somehow made some deal that ended up landing millions of dollars. Oh my God. And he seemed like a relatively normal guy. And that was interesting. And he another guy, you. that's, yeah, that's what I was, well, I, you know, I think this was pre-tipping, actually. Remember the, the non-tipping days yeah. of Uber? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and another person, 
their father had just died and he kind of uh, uh it's hard to explain he like he really had a moment with me in the car and he uh he wanted me to say the words my father just died with him so that we could feel it together it was yeah it was interesting <laughs> Are you oh, sure man. you want to be a musician? Like, <laughs> Life coach. Well, why can't I be like a, 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 why are priests the only confessional guys? Can I be like a non-secular confession guy? Yeah, yeah. That would, that wait, would, wait, there's wait, a huge is market that what non-secular that. means? No. Non-secular, non-secular, yeah, non-secular is not yeah, religion. Yeah, you want to be secular. Okay, okay. I always, it feels like it should be the other way around. Non-secular. Yeah. But if I'm going to get in this field, I better get that straight. Yeah. yeah, why can't I be, why can't that be my profession, you know? Instead, I, you record it and broadcast it out to everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think uh, I think there's a huge market for that. Wow. Also, two very different sides of, uh, of the spectrum there. Um, like, seriously, if I set up, like, a booth in public, yeah. you know, and you, you put in like a dollar or something to go in and you get to confess. And and then I just listen. Some people have bring that out in other people. Like I definitely have like I'll listen to you if you're homeless energy. Because like <laughs> if I'm in a crowd of people and a homeless person is looking for someone to hit up for money, they will beeline to me and start having a full on conversation with me that will eventually lead to them like asking for money, but they're just so happy that I politely <laughs> listen to them that they'll just keep talking for a while. And it's, it's not because they thought you were another homeless person? I, I, I may give off that vibe as well. <laughs> similar. No, similar you, do, you do seem like a, you do seem like one of those people that like, you know, people would feel safe talking to. You have a very <laughs> inviting energy. Oh, appreciate that. <laughs> Therapists, priests, and like bartenders all giving off that vibe. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> I uh, thought you were starting a, a really racist joke. Oh, <laughs> oh God, no. A therapist, <laughs> a priest, and a bartender walking walk to a, a bar. Church. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some, somehow that would end up being racist. I don't know how, but there would definitely be some racism <laughs> in that joke. But, cool. So, as far as the podcast goes, you know, who are some of your favorite guests who are some of your favorite confession what are some of your favorite confessions or do you have like favorite episodes like if someone's looking to like really like start a confessional podcast habit like where what's their gateway drug oh man good question um also remember that i was a guest on <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say ros what did we discuss rosalind i don't remember uh, personal crime stories, like crimes that that we were personally involved in. Oh God! What was yours? Mine um, was <laughs> uh, actually this. this guy that Tom and I. Tom knows him. Mm. Uh, <laughs> this guy that Tom and I used to be friends with <laughs> committed a crime spree. Uh, oh, where okay. I'm starting to remember. He held up a 7-Eleven. <laughs> I'm actually still Facebook friends with him. Yeah. So if I end yeah, up murdered tomorrow. That. Uh, he held up a 7-Eleven, mm. the same Dunkin' Donuts three times, and a Michael's Craft Store. Did he steal donuts or money? He stole money. 
I don't know how much money. I I would have taken donuts too, I guess. I'll tell you this. I bet you they probably threw in a few holes into the, the money bag too. <laughs> They're they, just they looking like to, to get, get rid of them. Yeah. Think yeah. about like depending on the time of day, like if it was after four thirty in the afternoon, right. You know that they slipped in a few like that's, ways. Yeah, that's when you want to rob it. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. The, you know the, there'll be when you get when you buy a glaze, they're always like, you know what, I'm going to give you another one for free. Yeah. Um. So maybe they'll throw in more money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. You know. Hmm. So uh, anyway, Pat, if you're watching this, I'm so sorry. But as far as my favorite episode, I really don't know. Honestly, they they kind of they've kind of run together for me, which is a good thing because it means it's been a while since I've, I've had one that I felt was a real stinker, you know? Yeah. Not, not that I have, but you know, you get more confident over time and you start to feel good about it. And, and I've, you know, I guess it's good that we've gotten to the point where we don't even really think about critiquing them. You know, we just put them out there. So um, I don't know <laughs> to answer your question. I have no idea. <laughs> well, you've had, you've also had some like decently, big name i mean well i mean like Sorry, i guess that's baltimore relative i'm sure like it wouldn't be a big name in new york but like michael winslow was like a pretty big deal to me at least yeah or yeah. michael uh, you listen to that one yeah michael ian black yeah mike's also open for michael ian black doing stand-up mm -hmm. yeah twice yeah so how do you get guests like that lined up like um I just uh, usually I just ask them honestly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm telling you guys. That's really kind of the secret to getting great stand up guess. or or podcasting or anything is just ask people. <laughs> I'm serious. Like I, that's like this most simple lesson that I've learned. That's the most effective. Like if you want to be a part of a show, if you want anything, just ask and you know you'll get turned down many times but uh you'll you'll get a yes more than you think and you know for something that only takes three seconds to do it's kind of it's kind of worth it but yeah. sometimes i just ask sometimes i i know them through comedy like mike lee and black i i knew just a tad um yeah because be i, I want to lie and act like we're good friends but <laughs> I did. Mike did feed him cake once. I witnessed yeah. it in public. Yeah, Christine Ferrer and I ate cake on stage with him. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I didn't get any Other <laughs> times, sometimes, weirdly, sometimes agents, and this really makes me feel professional. Agents will like contact me and be like, oh. "So and so is promoting this." Would you like to have them on your podcast? And I'm like, you didn't see, you didn't check how few comments we have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yes, we would. <laughs> if I have time, I suppose I will have Jay Leno on. No. Um, and sometimes, like, you know, I, I know people that know them. Like, uh, you know, like Sue knows a lot of people in the in the music world. Um, but I, I think that's how we got Matt Pinfield, but I'm not even sure because I, I dropped her name with him, but then he, it kind of seemed like he didn't remember her. So I'm not sure how that works, but, uh, mostly just asking sometimes if I really want someone, I will, uh, I'll find their agent or their manager and ask them. Or yeah. if like in the before time when we had shows, like if someone was coming to town, I'd I'd uh, I'd contact either them or their their manager and say, would you like to promote your show on the podcast? 
Oh. Or uh, if somebody's got something new coming out and you, and you just tell them, let's promote it. Yeah. They'll jump on it if they don't ask too many questions. <laughs> so basically find someone sort of famous, kind of gullible, who has something adjacent to the area coming out. And just don't be afraid if they answer no. You miss 100% yeah, of the shots you don't take. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, and if... You know, a lot of people will just ignore your your message or your email, but uh, you know, many will get back to you. And and when and when one you know somebody like Patton Oswalt, when he writes back and says, "Hey, thanks, but but no thanks" or whatever, I don't feel like doing that right now. Yeah. Um, or or Henry Rollins, when these people take the time to get back to you, then it really makes you feel like these ass these local fucking assholes that are total dicks. <laughs> And they, yeah, and they're totally rude to you. Can go to hell because these people have time. Yeah, I feel like if I got an email from Patton Oswalt, even if it was a rejection, I'd like hold on to that email forever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, email restraining order, whatever, potato, potato. <laughs> um, but I feel like you know, probably a little bit has to do with it though. Is that like even though you say you haven't had like a ton of comments on like episodes of the podcast. You've built a bit of a platform for yourself. I mean, over a hundred episodes of anything is like nothing to scoff at. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with it. I really enjoy doing it. It's definitely like, you know, like I said, I found what I really want to do, and that's this is definitely the podcast I want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, I enjoy it. It's not like uh, it's not like I'm living off it or anything, and probably never will. But uh, I like it. Yeah. You and Bob Rose are the only two friends of mine who make podcasts that I listen to for enjoyment. Like, <laughs> you listen to some for uh for, for punishment. Mas masochistic. <laughs> only the gold star episodes of last podcast. No. <laughs> you know, like if your friends on a podcast or your friend makes a podcast, sure, like, sure. you might like listen to right. it just like to be a supportive person. Right. But, like, you and Bob Rose, who Bob Rose is going to be on, I think, in April, um, actually. Awesome. Um, local genius, Bob Rose. Uh, <laughs> you guys are the only ones whose podcasts I like. I'm like, yeah, I would listen to this if I didn't know this person. Wow. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's nice yeah. Of you. Yeah. Thanks. You also have a good radio voice. Like, I feel like if I ever have really bad news coming, I want somebody to contact you first. <laughs> And you can call me and tell it to me as gently as possible. Oh, my, that is that is the nicest way anyone has ever called me ugly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that, Roslyn. Cool. All right. Uh, getting to some more of the, like, deep stuff, I guess. Uh, so you're very open in your comedy and your other work about your struggles with uh, depression and alcoholism. Um do you think that those have influenced you as a performer at all? And do you think that type of honesty is necessary for a comic? Um, um I, I don't, to answer that last one, I don't necessarily, I think there's many games in town and uh, you know, some, some comedians are, are more honest about themselves. Others are, you know, making shit up, which is totally fine. And honestly, a lot of my stuff is not, I, I don't think I'm like one of the most honest 
comedians around because a lot of my stuff is kind of abstract and uh, not necessarily true, you know, because that's just the type of comedy I like to do on stage. Um, I'll take like real life things like alcoholism or depression and make like an abstract, uh, you know, kind of kind of a joke about it, but it isn't all reality per se, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and there's some comedians that don't like that. They think you should totally be honest all the time and be talking about your real life. And I say there's many games in town. I, uh, I, uh, you know, I, 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 the podcast and my writing is more where I'm myself, you know, and for stand up, it's more of a performance. Um, but as far as influencing me, the alcoholism, not really, because I got, well, I got sober years, like way before I ever did comedy. Um, and it, it was, it came out of kind of getting my life together and then realizing that like something was missing, you know, that I went to comedy, I gave it a shot. <laughs> Which is like kind of the opposite for most comics. They realize that <laughs> They, right. they stop doing comedy. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, it's like we, we do self-deprecate and make fun of all, all the ridiculousness of it. But in reality, it really is like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm allowed to do this. You know, it is. It was like it was like such a pleasant surprise that I wasn't terrible at it, you know, and I was like, oh, wow, I can actually do something cool in life. Um, uh, the anxiety I would say it does influence my comedy because I'm extremely nervous on stage and you know, it's been a decade and I'm still very nervous on stage. I'm a little less nervous than I was, but I have had to kind of develop a character around that anxiety, you know, but I like that yeah. character. I like what's come out of it. It's not like a thing that I, that I don't like. Uh, and I slowly get less nervous on stage as the years go by and it feels better and better. There was a time when like, I loved the fact that I was doing stand-up comedy and I felt great about it, but I did not feel good on stage at all. Or even, even if I had a good set afterward, I still felt like crap because of just all the anxiety, you know? I like couldn't enjoy the, when I got like a good applause at the end, I just like, I couldn't enjoy it, you know? But I knew that if I stuck with it, it would get better. And it has, but I am still very nervous on stage and I look, but I try to like, you know, look at it positively, like, that means I've got a lot more growth to happen, you know, yeah. and I'll, if I'm, if I'm okay at it now, then I'll be better later as I get more comfortable with it. Yeah. yeah. I it's think that's interesting yeah. how you say that. Cause I mean, I'm, I have an anxiety disorder too. And mm. when people who know me in normal life, like if they don't know me very well, they're always surprised to find out that I'm a performer. Cause oh, they're like, yeah. Oh, you're so shy and quiet. It's like, yeah, but I, I like yeah. I need the high, man. I need to <laughs> right. get off the stage and feel the adrenaline and everything. Right, right. Well, yeah, it's. I think it's like uh, part of it's like, well, I'm I'm gonna be nervous and awkward no matter what I'm doing socially, so I can just <laughs> won't get a. But yeah, people are shocked when they find out I'm a stand-up comedian, and and when they come to see me, it's kind of like were you ever like in in high school. You, you kind of felt like a nerd or whatever you didn't fit in but then you'd be at, at the mall with like your cool friends that the rest of the people <laughs> didn't know about and you're yeah. you're like yapping it up and like being really cool and having fun and, and then the other kid sees you from school and they're like oh my god i guess this guy's cool or at least that's he what hangs i hope out with thinking. the greasers <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> um that's what it feels like when you know people from my job 
or whatever come to see me do comedy you know right. like, well and i think that you know it's um it's something that people in other uh areas of performance probably kind of get comfort from too is what you were saying earlier about like you have that shield of kind of being not a hundred percent yourself but being the character of yourself i guess when you're yeah, on stage definitely definitely um, i don't know if that was part of it for you too Roz. <laughs> um but i know since it was an improv background that you were a plethora of characters um which i think like definitely for people who um have some of that anxiety but are trying to push themselves into like performance or into being like a more social person that's definitely one of the huge benefits definitely. yeah i mean for for me when i started doing improv with our old troupe free range like we did we performed regularly for seven years together and when I started, if I was on stage, like, I could not look at the audience. Like, <laughs> I had to completely pretend like no one's out there yeah. and only look at my fellow performers, and that's what I'm going to focus on. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, by the time our last show, like, it, it gets easier. It's like... Mm -hmm. You know, it... Yeah, we definitely got more comfortable towards the end there. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, like, my first improv class, just, just the showcase for, like, our friends and family was, yeah. like, almost too much to, to come out from backstage, you know? like Yeah. Oh um, but, yeah, I can't look in people's faces either. In fact, when I talk to people in the audience, I have to look at, like, their forehead. Oh. See, people always say that, and I try, I've tried it. But like, if I look at their forehead, I know their eyes are right here. So I know their <laughs> eyes are making eye contact. The judgment is eyes, periphery. And that makes me nervous. So then I have to look above their head, but I know their eyes are still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right. I just don't wear my glasses on stage. What you should do is hand out uh, shades before each performance. Make it like a gimmick type of thing. It's like the no. old um, advice of like, imagine everybody in their underwear, but also imagine them with no eyes. <laughs> Imagine them all with their eyes gouged out. <laughs> Perhaps by a killer pelican. Maybe I'm embarrassing myself, but who has eyes? <laughs> no, but I do feel like as as I've gotten older and my eyesight has gotten worse, if I'm if I'm speaking in a public capacity, I just don't wear my glasses on mm. stage, and yeah. it, it helps. Yeah. It's like I can't see shit, so I'm just right. Gonna... Yeah, yeah. I probably would do that honestly, except for like I have to do a little bit of interacting with the audience, and uh, I just look way better with glasses. I think. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, so I have perfect vision, yeah. so that doesn't work for me. But... Yeah, sorry you have those eagle eyes that work perfectly, Tom. That's okay. I'm working on it. A few, a few more months of, like, the desk job, and I'll probably be getting there. Um... into the next eclipse for a while. Yeah, uh, whenever that is, if we get there. Um, but, um, okay, so the next question we have um, is kind of talking about the support for uh, depression and anxiety where we eat cereal. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the origins of that idea um, and kind of handling the way that it's taken off? Um, yeah, that's a, that's another one of those things where I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised how, how well received it's been, you know? Um, 
I, uh, yeah, it's called a support group for depression and anxiety where we eat cereal. Basically, I, you know, I noticed a lot of people, including myself, who already suffer from anxiety now have to deal with quarantine, the anxiety and depression. And uh, I figured since support groups can be a little sterile and, uh, you know, a, a little cold, I wanted, to, I wanted to add some fun into it, thus the cereal. And also I figured, you know, it's it, it, those groups can be kind of intimidating for people, I think, especially for anxious people, you know, like, um, so I figured the cereal was like a way to make it seem a little more lighthearted. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, taken off like it's, well, it's, it's not like it's a business or anything, but it's like, as far as a a group goes like it's uh, it's definitely called on and now with the instagram we're starting to get people from from other countries uh this last this last meeting uh, oh and i forgot to to say it's it's a it started as a facebook page and also a, a live zoom meeting on thursday nights and um there was a kid a 17 year old kid from the united uh aries imbries did i say that right imbri emirates uh last time imbrits Emirates, Emirates. Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> we probably shouldn't be making fun of a country. That's just okay. the, that's <laughs> a weird that's a weird name for a country. Number one. I'm sorry. United Arab Emirates, I think, is how you say it. But that's it's based on my dad's pronunciation, which could be off. Hopefully, a ton okay. of people are watching and correcting us in the comments. <laughs> yeah, maybe your mom knows. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um. Anyway. <laughs> You were saying you had a seventeen-year-old. Uh, so there was somebody from from, yeah. from the UAE. Yes. On yeah, there. he got up at like five thirty a.m. to come to it, <laughs> and uh, we're getting a bunch of people from the UK. And I'm thinking we might have to start like a UK uh, group so that their time zones match up correctly. Yeah. So wow. I'm happy about that. You know, just like taking using humor and comedy to. Uh, provide a, a place for for people to be able to talk and listen and make jokes about their issues and also talk seriously about their issues and vent when they need to vent cry when they need to cry you know it's just uh just a a, a light-hearted little silly environment for people to that hit that deal with some very serious issues well yeah it I think it's also interesting too, though, that you have kind of this reciprocating relationship as far as we just talked about, like how the anxiety kind of informs the comedy. And while it's not, again, it deals with very serious things. So it's not like a comedy thing, but kind of then having it on a lighter platform, um, it's like kind of <laughs> a snake biting its tail. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. I think it's good too. It's like it's like a Fruit Loop, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if the Fruit Loop's parent was eating a Fruit Loop that was also his own tail, and <laughs> yeah. Well, the Just... mascots are rarely made out of the actual. It's it's gummy worms. <laughs> uh. And we did, and you did point out in that group the other day that there are very few female cereal mascots. Right. So that's like the next great gender gap that we've got to defeat. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Let's get a woman on a cereal box for once. 
I agree. Let's do it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of interesting, too. So for anyone who's watching who isn't familiar, um, you know, people share, like, serious things. They support each other. They might say they may, might, if they're having a bad day, they might post something. Mm. There's a lot of meme posting, which I feel like is kind of like our new level of communication as a society. Yeah, well, a lot of these memes really do kind of hit the psychological nail on the head, you know? Like, it's, uh, it's, it's, we, yeah, you're right. There's like a new form of, of communication. And I feel like it's, some of it's kind of brilliant. Yeah. You know? Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I just, uh, we make it clear that, that we're not professionals and, I'm personally, you know, try to like just stick to our own experiences and not, you know, I definitely don't have the, the, the key to success for anyone. I can just share my experience and just let people talk, you know, like we, we just need to be heard sometimes, you know, just, just listening. And I think too, having depression, but also having depression coupled with anxiety, it can be so hard to talk about. And then it's even harder just to express what it feels like so having like a safe space like that where you know everybody like when you're like i couldn't get out of bed this morning mm. they are like oh you're just being lazy like it's like no i physically felt like my body was sewn into the bed like right over, yeah. you know um some pranksters snuck into my room and poured <laughs> must have poured super glue all over my bed yeah exactly and now now I am both human and bed. Ask me questions. <laughs> <laughs> AMA. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of a cool resource. And, you know, it's like one of those things, like, I think you can say it's successful. It's just not monetarily successful. It's like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we were talking to um, Nico, who started the Displaced Comedians group a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And he, he was talking about he honestly hadn't had much stage time when he started it. Hmm. Um, Tom, do you remember like how much, how many open mics he said he'd been to? Oh, um, I do not. Um, I know that it wasn't like too long before he had started, I think before he then like found the need to start the displaced comedians group. Like, I think that was part of it was, it was like a start and then stop cause of the pandemic sort of thing. Um, mm. but I mean, at this point now, he's probably yeah. in like the five hundreds or something. Um, but yeah, that, so he, yeah. he started it cause he just wanted to keep sharp on his comedy yeah. during the yeah. pandemic. So, you know, and, and that's not been monetarily successful for him either until mm. he pitches his merch and, uh, oh. up. keep your eyes out. All <laughs> you displaced comedians <laughs> right. for, for their shirts right. coming out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm going more for a cult leader type of thing myself, you know. Yeah, which I will has the best total adherence in the end. It really, yeah. it's yeah. That's that. It means more to me to have to be able to control people, <laughs> mind, body, and soul, yeah. than to get paid. I see you as more of like a Hari Krishna type cult leader as opposed to like a Jim hmm. Jones. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I hear cult leader, um, but I I think it's politics. Um, no. Um, <laughs> Well, well, um, well, I think that there is something to be said, though, about like, you know, the value in like building a community um, sure. and the advantages that come with that even being online. And 
I do think that it would be a very natural move and you know we see people doing it all the time where they do try and either through one mean or another um, convert that community engagement that they've built up and turn it into something um, that they can profit from. Um, yeah, it sounds I like mean, that's I, not necessarily something on... you're looking for with your... No, your... I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I'm, like I don't advertise any of my stuff on the page, you know? Um, I, I don't I don't think it would become anything like... I mean, maybe I'd consider like a nonprofit or something like that, but... Uh, oh, that's a great idea, actually. <laughs> I don't even know how that world works, but, you know, it seems like something I might be into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't have any plans of like, you know, trying trying to monetize it or anything like that. But I, there is going to be a little bit of inevitable spillover from, you know, just becoming friends with people and then they come over to my other page and check out a little comedy or whatever. But I don't, I don't think it'll be a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, like selling what? tickets to eat cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm signing cereal boxes. <laughs> You know, you should get a sponsorship. You should get, like, Kellogg's to sponsor the group or something. <laughs> yeah. Have, maybe... You can start your own depression-based cereal. I was about like... to say, if you're eating Kellogg's, yeah, you're depressed. <laughs> That's got to be a thing. Like, maybe we could get, like, an interview with, with the real Captain Crunch, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Have him talk live, something like you that. You talk about his PTSD after the war. <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll bet you that Trix Rabbit has some serious issues. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, have you found, like, the Lucky Ed... Charms guy probably has alcohol problems? Sorry. Well, no. Whoa. I... Oh, harmful stereotype. Tom <laughs> and I are both part Irish. Oh, I thought you were going to say Tom and I are both part leprechaun. That is <laughs> also true. Also <laughs> true. But. No, um, hmm. I forget what I was going to ask, actually. Um, we can just keep talking about leprechauns if we want, but, um, no, it, it, yeah, there's definitely value in, like, uh, building that community, though, and I think that, uh, yeah, so that's good that, it's good that you're aware of that and don't want to, like, monetize from it, yeah! <laughs> um, I'm sure I'll become corrupt with power in some sort of way at some point. <laughs> Mike did, uh, I, I, do you remember that gig like a couple years ago that you filled in for with our, our like improv troupe? Uh, the outdoor one? Yeah, the outdoor one. Yeah. The nextable. Did we do oh. improv on that? I thought that was just stand up. It was just stand up, but it was like our improv troupe got the gig and then we realized uh. that not enough of our members had like full stand up sets that we needed someone <laughs> to kind of pad the lineup for right. our stage. To be fair, like half of us met through a play, so. <laughs> I had fun. I enjoyed that show. Yeah, it was fun. We followed a children's musician. Yeah, the um, guy who uh, did, who worked with Lisa Loeb, apparently. Yeah, that was one of his credits. He did a song yeah. with, a children's song with Lisa Loeb about bath time, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think he was like a '90s grunge guy who who never got like very famous, and now he's a dad who writes children's songs. That seems that seems like a pretty pretty sensible trajectory for for a lot of '90s grunge guys that almost made it. Well, yeah, it's a lot more positive than the heroin that a lot got into. Yeah, I mean, there's there's kids' songs and then there's heroin. You can you can kind of pick one. <laughs> There's no um, in between. <laughs> right. 
this is this is super off topic but my friend was my friend told me this story last night like he has a six-year-old who's like the coolest kid ever um and he's like got some learning challenges that he's working on so he doesn't quite communicate like a typical six-year-old would Mm. but he's still a really smart kid and so like he's starting to lose his teeth and his parents like kind of explained it to him and they're like you know so if you lose one of your teeth like you know make sure that you don't swallow it and make sure that it, it stays someplace safe and so like when he lost his first tooth he just walked up to his mom and just handed her a tooth and just walked away <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> these like, have always brought me luck <laughs> like that liz t- this taylor commercial go. <laughs> How terrifying was that that we just had to tear our teeth out of our mouths when we were young? Just imagine if you had to pull out a tooth now. Yeah. Why was that a th- What is the evolutionary purpose of that? Like I remember liking the uh, this is probably gross and weird, but like I remember liking playing with like the new gum before the new tooth came yeah. in. Yeah. I yeah, remember it yeah. tasting weird and thinking that was like cool. I remember really but liking they... playing with it when it's like loose but not quite ready to come out. You just gotta like flick it back and forth. Yeah. Oh, Good that times, feeling man. Of, like twisting a tooth out of your mouth. I don't yeah. need to experience that again. I yeah. do like wish that when I was younger, I had appreciated the shock value that could have come with it too. Like. Especially especially now that I've been doing stand-up comedy, I guess, like, I feel like that would be a great end to a bit if you're just, like, pulling your teeth out of your mouth. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I, I honestly did that once, believe it or not. I had I had a tooth, like, fall apart backstage, and uh, and I, I literally, like, went out on stage and, like, I think I, I pulled some of it out and showed the audience. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm really stressed right now. <laughs> yeah, I have a tooth that's, like, half fake, and uh, I guess it had, like, a huge cavity on the inside, and it started crumbling apart. Oh, damn. Maybe get some dental insurance in 20 That's years. That's exactly that's exactly what it was. I hadn't seen the dentist in, like, a decade because I hadn't had insurance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually recently did a dentist stand-up bit about... My dentist has been weirdly aggressive during the pandemic like they have called me at least five times to like tell me to come in for a cleaning and I keep explaining to them that like a pandemic is not the time when I want to visit a guy who puts his hands in other people's (laughs) mouths for a living and then like puts his hands in my mouth um and they don't they they don't listen to me they just like call me again the next month so I've started like making appointments with them. Mm. And then when I get the reminder, I just call and cancel the appointment because apparently <laughs> I'm just like too polite to block their numbers. <laughs> it sounds like the uh, the the um, ambulance that was chasing Tom earlier. Oh God! Yeah, there you, you got go. a dentist chasing you. I've got a de- look <laughs> with these pearly whites and this bone structure. I mean, I can't I can't blame the man for wanting to get up in these gums, but. <laughs> <laughs> Keep him away! Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, that's why yeah. the ambulance keeps real? chasing me. It's like he just keep keeps real? stopping hearts. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, this would be the perfect time for me to yank a tooth out, but we can't do that as adults. Yeah, you Ugh. can. 
well, you, you can, but it's usually indicative of a larger problem that you might have. Right. I've got a, I found a really terrifying true dentist story online that I will, uh, I'll send you after the, the podcast. It's really, really bizarre. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so what do you have, getting back to our interview questions, uh, which we, for some reason, Tom and I, I guess, are super professional tonight and blazed through mm -hmm. them pretty quickly for once. But <laughs> um, what do you have next on your roster? Like, what's what big things do you have coming up? Uh, I have January 21st, we'll be doing another virtual For the Love Of. That was my charity show before the pandemic, and we've done a few virtual ones now. And that one will actually be kind of depression-based as well. Oh, okay. Um, all the comedians deal with depression and it will be to benefit uh, an organization that helps with depression. We're not sure which one yet. Now, is and, it hard to find a full lineup of comedians with mental health problems? Oh my God, I had to search <laughs> high and low. And they were I was both. scouring the depths. <laughs> uh, just too many, too many healthy comedians out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's that coming up. I just had something published in Skeptic Magazine, which is available at Atomic Books. Oh, cool. And I have what else? We're working on. We should have a single from The Lost soon. Um, that's actually starting to sound pretty good. We're working on that. And also another thing we're working on in quarantine is an MTV tribute band. Oh. That hopefully we can premiere in the summer. It's going to be like. Uh, the old videos played on a screen and us performing over them. Nice. And also like old MTV footage in between. <laughs> nice. That's that coming awesome. along really well. Yeah. Well, cool. We'll, uh, we'll definitely have to look out for that. I was actually, so my birthday party idea for last year that got coroned out, I was going to do a 90s tribute party. Um, so with my birthday being in the summer mm. and the partner owning a venue, mm. Corona willing, maybe we can make something happen. Absolutely. What what month is your birthday in again? June, but we're probably still going to be in lockdown at this point. Well, what if you bring your certificate of vaccination? Mm, there you go. You get a free shot. And the sidebar <laughs> is, is just so nicely ventilated, too, that it's like... Yeah, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's we, practically I, an outdoor venue. I think I talk about Sidebar every single episode we have because it, <laughs> we just constantly make jokes about venues, and it's like, right, yeah, it, it's a beloved venue, and I love it, um, and my partner loves it, but it's also kind of a punchline about dive bars that I haven't figured out yet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we were interviewing Desiree Walsh. She's like a really brilliant comedian. And she was talking. So Desiree uses a wheelchair. And she was talking about sometimes she has physical access problems with venues. Mm. And she was like complaining about venues that have their bathrooms in a basement. And I was like, well, what if it was a basement venue that you had to walk <laughs> up some stairs to go to the bathroom? Because that's what we've got. <laughs> right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but the bathroom part is is on is on level ground. Yeah, um, it's great. It's you just also... wouldn't be able to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, no, no comedy. 
if, also if she's there time, just to use the bathroom, she's fine. Yeah, that's it. You know, you can come in and pee. You just can't, you know, get on stage easily. Right. Oh, my back hurts. That's why I'm sitting up. Sorry. You're good. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, my favorite part about sidebar is like, so it's it's where I've seen Mike do I've seen Mike do stand up in a bunch of venues, but like I've, I've definitely seen you do like open mic stuff there. Um, there's a local comedian named Dark Mark who we should try to have on this if we can. Yeah, I'm sure he'll Brilliant. do it. He's great. Yeah, he runs an open mic there. Um, and one of my favorite nights of that open mic was some random drunk weirdo wandering in off the street, just like loudly coming in with no respect for the fact that people were on stage performing. <laughs> and Mike was like in the middle of his set trying out new material. And the guy just loudly starts trying to buy acid off of Mike, who's like, <laughs> just trying out some new material. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a good night. It's a good night. Yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes, that's the, that's the weird thing about, like, hecklers and, and, and people that are distracting and interrupting. Sometimes it just sucks. It's just annoying. And other times it turns into, like, great great comedy <laughs> yeah i respect people who can do that that is a uh, bridge that i have not yet had to nor want to cross i like it's hate crowd for, work in general, let alone yeah. if somebody's like drunk or like right right <laughs> yeah i was never much of a crowd work kind of guy but i i'm starting to enjoy it more yeah. And I really want at some point to be like kind of an improvisational stand-up comedian. I mean, we all are to some degree, but I would yeah. love to like be able to walk into a show confident that I can just like riff, you know, and, and not have to just rely on my, I mean, I, I love bits. I'll always write bits, but I, I think it would be really fun to, to be able to, to, uh, you know, just improvise more. Yeah. Yeah, when we were talking to Ralph Anthony, he told us the story about a corporate gig that he was hired to do stand-up at, and he said everyone there was just completely blackout drunk by the time he got the stage because they didn't time the cocktail hour and dinner right. correctly. Yeah. So, like, by the time he hit the stage, everyone had just been straight up drinking from the open <laughs> bar for three hours. Um and so he said he just used the his entire forty five minute set just asking drunk people questions and practicing <laughs> mm -hmm. crowd work skills because mm -hmm. he was like no one's gonna remember right no word yeah. Of, yeah. yeah yeah so you know sometimes you get those opportunities and you just gotta take, take the advantage gift, of I guess <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh yeah maybe 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 that's what I'll look for is I'll just find a really drunk crowd and that's when I'll be able to practice my crowd work. Only for drunk people who won't remember. But... <laughs> drunk people who want your yeah. number. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But cool. Alright. Yeah. Well, um thank you so much for talking with us. I'm gonna try and do us a little bit of an outro. Um <laughs> so Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, again, if you want to support the stream, you can do so at district-comedy.live. We've been speaking with uh, Michael Moran, and you can check him out on Facebook at Michael Moran Comedy. Uh, is there anywhere else that people can find you, follow you, tweet you, all that jazz? Got an OnlyFans? 
No, no OnlyFans. <laughs> I uh, I am on MySpace though. No, <laughs> I um, uh, just Instagram, Facebook. Really, I I do I do more stuff on my my regular Facebook page. So you just find that and friend me. There you go. Friend yeah. him on Facebook and otherwise. Um, thank you as always, Roz, for being my co-host. And thanks for being mine, Tom. <laughs> oh, oh. oh love. Um, <laughs> canceled. Um, but yeah, and uh, you can check us out next week, eight thirty on Thursdays, either Facebook Live, Twitch, YouTube, or at District-Comedy.Live. But that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much. Have a good night. Bye. Thank Bye. you.